This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast. Each week we preview and review all the big business and market news with Oanda Senior Market Analyst Craig Earlham. And it is a very good morning to you, Craig. How are you doing? I'm really good, mate. How are you? Um, I'm electioned out, to be perfectly honest. We're about halfway through this campaign. The Tories still pretty much well ahead in the polls, but a hung parliament could still happen, such are the vagaries of our electoral system. It's been a big week for manifestos. The Conservative Party manifesto not out yet, but we've had the Lib Dems and, of course, the Labour Party manifesto. Um, Michael Foote's manifesto in 1983 was famously called um, the longest suicide note ever. Um, But actually, when you read the Michael Foote manifesto from 1983, which was accused of being very radical at the time... This is that one was more like the conservative one, which is what we think is going to be the conservative one over the next few days. This manifesto from Messrs Corbyn and McDonnell is extremely radical. Um, is there much reaction in the city as yet? I mean, going through some of the the points: higher tax on dividends, higher corporation tax, massive tax on the oil and gas industries, nationalisations higher personal tax. I mean, I could go on. Uh, We could talk about boards as well. I mean, do the numbers add up for starters? Well, I think all you have to do is look at the way the markets have uh, have traded since uh, the manifesto was released to say that, see that they're not really taking it too seriously. You can question whether the numbers add up. You can question how radical it is. You can question how how unbusiness friendly it is. But ultimately, if if investors don't think that you're going to get a majority and therefore you're not going to be in power and you're not going to be able to enact it, then it doesn't really matter whether all these add up. No one's going through the Lib Dem manifesto, for example, and saying, this seems extremely bizarre. I mean, how is this going to pay for this? Because... It doesn't matter, ultimately. They, 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 they're not going to be able to enact it, so you don't necessarily take it particularly seriously. And I think this is how people are looking at Corbyn's uh, at the, and, and the Labour Party's manifesto. Now, that doesn't mean that, that he won't be a number 10. We've said this before. Obviously, they, they, he could lead ultimately lead a coalition if the Tories underperform compared to what the polls say, and they've underperformed compared to what the polls say before, as we saw in 2017 under Theresa May. So there's every chance that he does get to enact a large part of this manifesto, or at least a decent chance, but when you are in a coalition with two or three different parties, then you would think it's going to be a bit more toned down and some of the more radical ideas are just not going to have the numbers to actually uh, get through Parliament and therefore you do get a much slimmed down version uh, of what is being promised and that's something that the markets could arguably cope with. Uh, But I think right now, there's quite a relaxed reaction uh, to it all because ultimately um, the, the Tories are still seen as being uh, as getting in and, and uh, with uh, a majority. But we've said this before on this podcast, this is the most unpredictable election that I've ever seen. So while the polls currently say this and the markets are currently relaxed, things may change a lot come the 12th of uh, come the 12th of December when we do see those exit polls and if they suggest that everything is not going as smoothly as expected, then I'm sure the markets will be very quick to react to that. And I haven't even mentioned uh, nationalisation, which we did know about. The big six energy firms, uh, National Energy Grid, Rail and Water, the Royal Mail, broadband arm of uh, BET. Um, how much of the share prices in some of those sectors been affected over the last couple of weeks? 
Yeah, well, we look at like BT and then that sort of an immediate pullback because I think there was the shock factor as well. That that's one uh, one thing that was in the manifesto when it was announced last week that people weren't really expecting. I think that came as a bit of a shock to everyone. So we did see BT share prices take a little bit of a dip. But again, this is just one of those um, manifesto pledges where you're saying, right, if they're in coalition with the Lib Dems and the SNP and maybe with support elsewhere, how easily is it going to be to enact this? And not just how easily is it going to be to get the numbers in Parliament in order to do so. Then there's going to be the legal battle because I don't think BT are just going to take this line down or we're going to give you less money than this is worth and you're just going to have to take it. And we're also going to pay you in government bonds, which may be worth less in the weeks and months to come, depending on how the markets respond uh, to the actual government and what it's actually de- uh, what it's actually um, delivering on. Uh, BT aren't going to take something like that line down. They are going to take this to the highest possible court they can. And that can take a long time uh, so th- this is always going to be the difficulty with such a ra- radical manifesto you're not just going to face opposition within parliament to trying to get and trying to get the numbers to get these through you're then going to face opposition from the companies who don't want to hand over 10% of their shares who don't want to be nationalised or part nationalised this is going to be a very bitter and long battle um, and therefore that that's why you, you look at the Labour Manifesto as an example you say this is an extremely ambitious manifesto but how much can they how much are they feasibly going to be able to deliver on this have they potentially bitten off more than they can, they, than they can chew you see some of the polls which um, have been released this week about the believability um, and, and how what what things people believe that he, they will actually be able to deliver on, and we're looking at very small numbers in terms of what they what people think they will actually be able to get through, and that is that could potentially be one of the challenges that maybe Corbyn uh, has not foreseen is the believability factor because when you bite when you bite off this much, it, it's it's an extremely ambitious package to deliver. But there's a lot in there that many people voting will like: um, free childcare for two- to four-year-olds, etc., etc. Those those kinds of policies will be very, very popular. It is partially a question as to whether when people enter the ballot box in uh, three or so weeks' time, whether they'll be thinking Brexit or the economy. It's kind of one or the other. Depending on who and where you are, how old you are, what region you're in, there is plenty in this Labour manifesto that will appeal to those poor uh, areas in the, in the regions in the northeast, in the northwest, other parts of the UK. Uh, but actually, they'll they'll really truly be thinking about getting Brexit done, to coin a phrase. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the thing. Like, I mean, how. How how are people going to vote if they are potentially Brexit leaning but typically left? Are they going to move over to the Conservative Party? Will they go more for the Brexit Party? What if there's no Brexit Party candidate standing in those 317 seats? Are people going to switch Labour to Conservatives, Conservatives to Labour? How much is Brexit going to play a part compared to the manifesto pledges compared to just standard allegiance? There's lots of people who would never not vote Labour, irrespective. Is their mind going to be changed at this election because of Brexit? It's that That's what makes this so incredibly difficult. Uh, which which is why I say even when the exit poll comes out at 10 p.m. on the 12th of December, I take it with a pinch of salt because there are going to be so many uh, local votes, people switching, uh, tactical voting. Um, you'll have areas of the northeast and the north where, you know, the traditional Labour voters might vote Tory, but probably more like to vote Brexit Party, uh, which is uh, perhaps a bit easier for them if they've been a lifetime of voting Labour. They're never going to vote Conservative, but they might vote Brexit. I would I would say until two or three o'clock in the morning on the thirteenth of December, we're not really going to truly know what's going to happen. No, and um, I mean 
to be honest, the exit polls have been really accurate in the past. Um, the ones that are released at ten o'clock. So I think we will we should get a really good idea of where things stand. But again, I'm going to be one of those unfortunate people who is going to be awake throughout the night following this as it unfolds uh, and and seeing how everything happens and obviously there's going to be a, a show as well on Jazz FM where they're going to be yep. um, uh, are going through the results as the uh, as the polls uh, come out and uh, as we start to get an idea of what this government's going to look like and I think everyone is going to but these exit polls they are generally quite good if I'm perfectly if, if I'm honest the Brexit uh, exit poll the 22nd 2017 when it became clear at 10 o'clock on the nose that Theresa May wasn't was unlikely to get that uh, that that the, the majority government, which was previously so heavily priced in, that came as a massive shock, and it was pretty on the nose at that time as well. So um, I think a lot of people are going to be looking at that, and then maybe then going to bed. Unfortunately, like I say, I won't necessarily uh, be one of them, but um, I think it's going to be a really really interesting night. Yeah, are you going to sleep for well, probably not for two or three days. Yeah, I can't wait. It's, uh, yeah, I think I'm used to that by now, though. I mean, yeah. when, you've got, when you've got a young kid, you're used to going without sleep, uh, with, as the cliche goes. Yeah, well, uh, don't forget, we are doing an all-nighter uh, on the 13th from midnight all the way till 6am, and then the business breakfast takes over on uh, Jazz FM. One more thing on the election, uh, Craig. I don't know if you caught the leaders' debate earlier in the week. I have to say, I didn't learn anything at all. I thought it was a very poor debate. Uh, they're giving it 51-49 to Boris Johnson, which uh, somebody wrote in one of the newspapers, oh, that's the same as the Brexit vote, or, almost. Yeah. Uh, can we do it all over again? Uh, but it was uh, it was a poor debate, wasn't it, really? And uh, I, I, I learnt absolutely nothing. No, it was it was really dreadful. I mean, we, me and you have joked in the past, right, where you always uh, you always ask me, did you watch this? And I'm like, well, actually, I didn't watch it, but I read about it afterwards. And you, you say, it's literally your job. You need to follow these things. Well, this week was a reminder of why I don't try to watch these things, because they are scripted. They are boring. It is two people trying to stick to their core messages and not allow the questioner, the, the, the person who's presenting it, to deviate in any way away from it. If they ask them a different question, they try and bring it back. How many times did you hear Boris Johnson say, let's get Brexit done? No matter what the question was it was we need to get brexit done there's his core message uh, and it was the same from both sides it was so heavily rehearsed so prepared that it was boring we didn't you, it's impossible to learn anything under those situations when you've got two people who are so stubbornly just trying to get their message but not across. just that to be fair to them every single time they started to get into their stride uh the Julie Etchingham stopped them in their tracks and they weren't allowed to do, I think, more than 60 seconds and, and then it was over. We're back to a, a, another question and maybe a silly question. We had the mm -hmm. question about uh, what Christmas present would you buy for one another and they even asked about Prince Andrew, which I thought, what has that got to do with the election? Yeah. I thought it was tabloid stuff. Yeah, it was. I mean, in these situations, the only way you're really going to learn anything is if you like the, the leaders debate off against each other, ultimately. And while it's going to probably be a more rowdy affair, like the seven-way uh, leaders debate next week, which I think is on Thursday on Sky News, that's going to be a more interesting affair because it's in those ones where you tend to see them turning and facing each other, questioning each other's policies. That's when you really learn something. Give them a chance to attack each other's policies, question each other, ask for details. Well, we'll know a bit more by then, won't we? Because all the exactly. manifestos will be out. Was there a winner on the night? I mean, the YouGov poll put uh, Boris ahead by 51 to 49, as I said. But actually, I thought Corbyn came across better. I'd, I'd, say, I'd, say, I'd say it was a three-way defeat and the biggest losers <laughs> was those of us who had to endure it, to be quite honest. I, yeah. I, I really think it was a painfully poor... Uh, debate, and I'm really hoping that the ones of the next week are going to be a little bit better, and we're actually going to have an opportunity. But I fear that it is just going to be more of the same. Do you think these debates are game changers anyway? Um, 
Theresa May's biggest mistake, or uh, apart from uh, the uh, dementia tax and all that kind of stuff, um, was the fact that she didn't turn up for the debate in 2017 rather than actually, you know, stare at the camera like she did and uh, go through the, the, the motions. I think, has anybody ever really made a big difference, possibly with the exception of Nick Clegg? I was going to say, that's the one that really yeah. stands to mind. That's why people want these debates, because they saw Nick Clegg during them and he his poll ratings went through the roof after, after those debates. And now you see every politician copying them. You saw Boris repeatedly trying to say the name of the person who was asking the question, because that fed so well for, yeah. for Nick Clegg back in uh, 2015, in, in 2010. Uh, we, uh, it's the, a long these, time ago. I know, it's, <laughs> it feels a long time ago. And this is, this is, um, this is why people think the debates still work but the problem is there are a lot the, the politicians are a lot more prepared for these debates now so they know what they're doing and like I say it just means you, you just get this constant rehash of uh, the, the core message and like I say hopefully next week's is going to be a lot better but I think the important thing as far as uh, these um, the, these MP elects uh, are concerned is A, get your core messaging across and B, don't mess it up because if you mess it up that's where it can actually make a difference so it's about getting through the process and not causing too much harm Yeah, so you could say score draw uh, 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 a board Corbyn. draw I'd say yeah, board draw, very good, very good uh, You're on form today Craig <laughs> uh, despite all the rumours I know, it's, um, the, the election brings the best out of me so <laughs> we Can we talk about Hong Kong now and uh, the Alibaba issue. That's still going ahead despite all the turmoil in uh, HK right now. It is, and um, it's. I think this is a, a, a sign that the the Chinese want to uh, show the world that it's business as usual in Hong Kong, despite all the distractions, despite the protest, despite everything that we see on the TV, the nastiness, uh, the, the the quite horrific uh, events which we've actually seen unfold there over the course of, in particular, the last few weeks. I think it's got particularly bad, uh, and I think the Chinese want to show that it's business as usual. So by pursuit continuing with this listing, I think they're trying to show that everything's still running and everything's still working and everything still fine and this is a sizable listing we want to remember this is I think the biggest listing of the year they're looking to raise around 13 billion dollars um, this is if I'm not mistaken they, they obviously raised more last time but that was previously I think it was 25 billion dollars that was the biggest ever stock market listing something that Saudi Aramco are going to hope to try and we're hoping to try and uh, surpass and if they hit the top end of the range they'll manage to do it but if this can go through next week and this can float and everything's a success then I think that, that, that then, then we'll see exactly why they are doing it but again I think there's going to be a lot more there could potentially be a lot more trouble over the course of this weekend so who knows exactly how this is going to go because as we've seen the events of, last, of, of the last couple of weeks have been particularly bad I'm surprised how little people are talking about what's going on in Hong Kong you don't get uh, ordinary people like us that's right you're an <laughs> ordinary person Craig um, we don't very seem ordinary. to be talking about it very much and it's uh, an awful situation uh, what is happening, in my opinion, is uh, um, you know obviously anti-democratic. Hong Kong is a former British colony. Uh, we just don't seem to be involved. We're more likely to be talking about Prince Andrew or the election. Well, you, you see what happens every time someone tries to give a view on this. You see, you see the kind of reaction that comes from Beijing, which is kind of butt out effectively. This is yeah. not your problem. We'll do this what is we a want. Domestic, this is yeah. domestic affair. This is uh, this this is a, a Chinese and a Hong, Hong Kong problem. This is nothing to do with anyone else. Uh, you seen obviously the US this week um, has the Congress has passed a bill effectively supporting the protesters, um, and the Chinese did not respond too kindly to this. There was actually a lot of questions about if Trump signs this off, what what impact is that going to have on? On the trade negotiations, uh, uh, are, are the Chinese going to see this as uh, as the US sticking its nose in where it's not wanted? You can see the Chinese are still very sensitive, though. Um, 
God forbid that there was another Tiananmen Square type uh, situation and people, many people were killed. Mm -hmm. um, without wishing to sound uh, in bad taste, that would not be good for brand China, would it? No, and, and to be honest, the, the, the sad thing is when people have been watching this unfold, they have been dreading um, what could potentially come next because of those events. Now, I think people have been watching this situation and saying, I don't think China will make that mistake again. Uh, the reason being they are opening themselves up in the world. They are wanting to become a more dominant player in the world. They know the eyes of the world are very much on Hong Kong right now. And um, I, I, and therefore, it would almost be, it wouldn't be constructive uh, to actually do that because I think the world will close uh, itself off to China in the event that that happened and I think you would see a very harsh reaction from many, many other countries to China in the event of something like that happening. So I think people watching that fearing the worst but hoping that this can be uh, resolved a little bit more peacefully. Now it has calmed down a little over the last couple of days but you can imagine it is going to flare up again and it does seem that... Um, China, Beijing's uh, uh, patience is being very heavily tested right now. So, like I say, um, I, I, we can only hope that this situation improves. But you you struggle to see where because neither side is keen to back down on this one. And China hold the cards really because we want to trade with them. And uh, in a, a, an amazing linear transformation, we're going to talk about the trade talks now. And uh, where where are we at at the moment with those? Well, it's this week. It's just been. It's kind of we've hit a few stumbling blocks. It seems that while we thought the comprehensive trade deal was going to be tough to come by, so when they moved down to a phase one agreement, then people said, well, maybe this is something that can be signed off, and then phase two or phase three will then take a much longer to resolve because there's issues that the two sides just can't agree on. But now we're seeing that this is hitting stumbling blocks as well because they can't they can't agree on the the size of the the tariff rollbacks. There's things like intellectual property which the US wants more from this phase one agreement. So what was meant to be signed off this weekend just gone in Chile at the APEC summit uh, which was like say, I've said before cancelled then we were talking about the NATO summit at the start of December well that's only two weeks away so what's the chance of that happening it seems slim at the moment now people are feeling that it's not going to be signed before the end of the year and the reason why the end of the year is important I know people love the, the nice rounding off of calendar year so it would be nice to just have it done moving to a fresh decade uh, uh, with this deal over the line the actual reason why it matters is because the US has tariffs due to come into force on the 15th of December uh, and Trump has said previously that if this phase one agreement isn't signed off by then they will impose uh, those tariff increases now these are the ones which were initially I think pegged for September and were pushed back because of this phase one uh, trade agreement so so, uh, and it, it contains a lot more consumer goods and one of the benefits of them pushing it back to December was it wouldn't affect the Christmas shopping season. Um, but if it gets to the 15th of December and we haven't got a deal over the line, is the US going to follow through? Now, there was speculation this week that the US, as long as they were close to a deal, would delay them again. And I think that's the best that the markets can hope for at the moment because the prospect of a phase one trade agreement getting over the line in the next three weeks seems very slim to me. Trump needs some good news at the moment, though, doesn't he? Because he's got this uh, impeachment process uh, which has revealed some startling revelations. Uh, but um, is it going to make any difference in the end? Uh, we talked off air uh, about the fact that the Republicans have a tooth, that they, they, they'd have to vote with uh, the rest in order to um, get uh, Trump out of office and it would require a two-thirds vote. That isn't really going to happen, is it? Um, it? It's just a process which may or may not be damaging long-term for Trump. So, I mean, there's a reason he's called Teflon Don, and it's because he covers himself very well. I think there, there does seem to be a broad view here that, that what he's being accused of probably or possibly did happen. But the problem, the thing is, people always want to believe that Trump is stupid. Uh, people always want to believe that he's naive. People always want to believe that he's going to make mistakes. The problem is he actually 
he, the, he, from what he's being accused, the fact that no one is effectively saying Donald Trump said this to the president, it's actually one of his many aides, Giuliani being his personal lawyer, who was given the orders to actually go and say this, to, to deliver the quid pro quo um, personally, rather than it coming directly from Trump. He's covering himself up. So if he has actually done what he has been accused of, which it, what it would widely be viewed as an impeachable offence, then um, but then he's not delivered it himself. So therefore, the, there is no actual evidence of him doing so. Ultimately, this is never going to get through the through Congress. It may pass through the House, but it's not going to get the two-thirds majority needed in the Senate, which begs the question, why are they bothering with this entire process? Well, look how uh, harmful the emails was to Hillary, Hillary Clinton during the Locked previous election. It yeah. came out just before the election campaign. Everyone was going to the polls thinking... This is Hillary Clinton's now being investigated over these emails, and that has an influence on people's mindset and people's voting ahead of the election. I feel like this is the Democrats effectively trying to do the same to Trump. Plant the seed. It doesn't matter if he's found guilty or not, because people will decide for themselves if he is guilty. And if they believe he's guilty, it may, may not, but it may affect um, how they vote. It will also, let, let's face it, it will also incentivize Trump backers to get, get to the polls and try and get him re-elected because there's, the, as we've seen from various polls and things, he's not actually done, he's not been harmed by this. If anything, his approval rating amongst Republican voters has increased rather than decreased. But it's not those that I think they're riding up here. It's the swing voters in the middle. Before we let you go, what do we have to look ahead to next week, uh, Craig? Yeah, very little. It's going to be a really quiet week, so it's going to be very politically driven again. The last two weeks has been really highly driven by the trade talks. I know here it's hard to see outside the election, but no one outside the UK really cares about our, 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 our little uh, our little election. Everyone's just focused on the trade wars uh, and the conversations which are happening, the constant leaks that we're seeing, the tweets from Trump, the reports that we're seeing in the Chinese state-run media uh, and, and any sign that we are moving towards a deal and as we now approach this 15th of December deadline everyone's going to be heavily focused on those tariffs what's going to happen with those tariffs come the middle of December because if more tariffs are piled on then you think that could potentially jeopardise any phase one trade agreement Craig have a great week speak to you again next time thank you From the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am. Listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.